What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. It's Monday night, which means Jordan Diarman, my longtime friend, is back on the podcast. Jordan, good evening. How are you? Oh, I'm back at my weekly therapy session, so I could not be any better. I mean, you what what was the reason for you missing last week? Well, I don't know. I mean, the fact that like Auburn won the first quarter in Athens that is really correct. got under my skin, but mm-hmm. you know, end of the day, it's four quarter football. Georgia came away with a victory, so I realized I had to put that first quarter behind me and just come back and face you face to face. Yeah. I mean, if if football was not four-quarter football, like Ohio State might be like, what, two and eight? <laughs> Dwayne Haskins may win the Heisman. I mean, no, I like Dwayne Haskins is a second-half just... guy. Like, it would be the reverse. Like, if... Oh, I um, know, yeah. They were losing the entire game against Maryland until overtime, which was just a great game. Like, that, that, that was really fun. I wish that my Saturdays could consist of games like that every single weekend. Every yeah. single weekend. And the fact that Urban Meyer was you know, struggling for most of that game, like that is what really put the just cherry on the ice cream head right over there. That just, oh, was, wow. I was eating that. I was eating it. That's really up. cruel, Jordan. I mean, I he was, was put on a show. That. It's hard to tell whether or not he was being a little hyperbolic and a little too egregious ah. with some of his responses to stuff, but like, right. The health stuff is real with him. And that's no, my pushback agreed. to a lot of the urban hate is like you can dislike him for the Zach Smith stuff and everything else. And that's totally defensible. And I 100% I get that and I agree with that. But I've never been comfortable with the shots at urban's health and like the people making jokes still years later with the heart stuff, even though he did have a heart issue. And we know he had a brain cyst. We know he has really bad headaches. We know he has a lot of stress and just health issues so like that's real like he collapsed but, like, weeks ago like that's no i know real. no i know but this is when it comes down to it when you are i mean to the point of i think he's completely lost control of his team from a just outlook per- perspective i think a lot of mm-hmm. these players expected to be you know in the college football playoff and that's not probably i mean 95 percent locked in you know that's not going to be the case so i wonder if that's sort of like a bounce back but also i mean if you are that sick on the sideline 
and I know this is completely, we're not even talking about what actually happened in the game, but I'm more concerned is I don't think Urban Meyer is going to be there at the end of the year. I think along with the health issues and along with not having support from the administration and everything that is going on, I think, inside his own household with his wife and, you know, former assistants and battling this whole domestic violence issue, I think that is playing a huge part into this. And I don't think he's going to be there at the end of the year. I mean, didn't Cowherd just reveal today that it's looking like Urban's going to retire at the end of the year, no matter what? I think I saw that, but I, I mean, mean, it wouldn't be a shocker. It wouldn't I, at all. It wouldn't be. A, I think it would be a, more of a shocker to me because he's not ending on a high note. I think well, I we don't always, know that yet. Like they're still in position to make the playoff if they beat Michigan. If I, they beat Michigan, they're in. I uh, I don't know if you can say that they're in. I, I mean, mean Michigan in lost right to now. Notre Dame. Uh-huh. Michigan lost to Notre Dame, and you don't know if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Saying mm-hmm. if it does, that would put Georgia in the college football playoff, and then you can't deny Alabama. Uh, if they lost to Georgia in the playoff, I mean, I mean, I, I mean Alabama, game, I think I'd leave them out. I don't think you can because Alabama, the closest game they've had all year is 45-23 Texas a you know, I mean, there's not like well, when Jordan, granted, Jordan, granted, put some respect on the Citadel Bulldogs for <laughs> their half-time half-time, baby. performance. Yes. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We'll get to that game. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying you cannot leave. I mean, you cannot say that Alabama is not better. Than, I mean, they are the best team in the country. So Georgia beats them in the SEC championship. I guarantee you they won't beat them two times in a row, but they do both deserve to be in there. So I'm just saying I don't even think with a win – for Ohio State, they get in. I just don't think they can do it. I don't. Well, think- I think this year is especially tough because I think so. This is going to be really weird. But my top six, um, and I'm the reason I'm going to say top six instead of top four will be very clear very shortly. Is it this year? Like I have one Alabama, two Clemson, and their point differential is head and shoulders above everyone else's. It's kind of crazy. Okay. They're both in the 30s, and no one else is close. Clemson's picking up steam they're demoralizing everybody but then again they do have a pit team in the acc title game who are in my notes i have a lot of pit thoughts who did uh upend clemson season two years ago with nathan peterman the worst nfl quarterback of all time um and now they got kenny pickett who might be the reincarnation of nathan peterman so that's got to be a little nerve-wracking if you're a clemson fan that pit is the team that you're going up against in the title game and not somebody like virginia or miami or something like that where you just know you're going to steamroll um but I like so I have them at one two and I think those two are the clear one and two and then number three I don't I don't have Notre Dame I think number three would be Georgia like I think Georgia probably the third best team in the country and right after that Michigan I still have Michigan at four and then I have Oklahoma at five but you could sell me on Oklahoma being better than Michigan like if I they play on a neutral field I would really I'd take Oklahoma. Yeah. See, I, I don't see, I can't, I can't do that because Oklahoma's okay. defense. Okay. Granted, Mike Stoops has been fired, what, a month now? Mm-hmm. And the secondary was really the big issue with Oklahoma's defense when Mike Stoops was there. Well, they fire him. They hope that maybe that would give some, the defense some type of spark. Well, now it's the, you know, the rushing defense that's really playing a huge issue. I mean, they, they allowed over like 300 rushing yards in this week's pass game. Well, and I, mean, I that's Puka Williams Jr., who you just can't roll out. I, going we off all know, I know, mm-hmm. Puka Williams. We talk about him week to week. One of the nation's best backs, for sure. Mm-hmm. Best but names too. You really would put Oklahoma, and granted, 
I definitely don't think Notre Dame is a top four team, even though they're undefeated. I think that mm-hmm. um, Ian Book is a great quarterback. I think Dexter Williams is a great running back. I think they have a great defense. But um, I, you would really put OU above Notre Dame because you went through yes. your top five and you still haven't even mentioned Notre yes, Dame. Yes, that's the reason I haven't uh, mentioned Notre Dame yet. Is they're in my number six. I think, and that's not like a shot at them. I, I just don't think like. Number six for Notre Dame and what, like, just to get there and be undefeated, like, I think that's a huge win for them. Like, they should be in. Like, those are two different things. One, I think Notre Dame is the sixth best, best team in college football. And two, they belong in the playoff that they beat USC this weekend. Like, they just, they deserve it. They beat Michigan. They did what they were supposed to do. They're getting better as the season goes on. They demoralized Syracuse. They avoided um, the just the kind of games that could up in their season against Pitt, against other teams like that. They survived those. So they deserve credit for winning what they should have won. Like that's they all they can do. do. But I don't think that they deserve top four credit. I think we can both say okay. that. I think the win over Michigan is definitely telling, but that's a mm-hmm. completely different Michigan team than what we're seeing now. I would agree. And I mean, I would, if I was ranking, if I was in the committee room, I would leave Notre Dame out even if they went undefeated and I know that's going to piss off some Notre Dame people but I don't mean any disrespect because I still think they're legit and it's not like they're a pretender or anything like that like they're still a top six team in the country which is a huge huge deal for them but I just I don't think I would take them over Kyler Murray Kyler Murray if you look at what he's doing and he had another 75 yard burner yeah did you see that it was one of the most beautiful I mean I feel like I say that every week about what he runs it's a beautiful run He'll do something dumb where he'll have a bad pass every now and then. And then, you know what? He'll respond with two back-to-back just like back-breaking drives against that defense where you're just like, oh, my God. Like, Kyler Murray will make one mistake, and he's like, nope, not again. We're not allowing this. He did it against Mm -hmm. Texas where he made some bad things, and then he had the 75-yard run and brought them all the way back and was like, I just – I think that would be fun to watch Notre Dame versus uh, Oklahoma on a neutral site because – Notre Dame's defense, I think, is their strength to this point, and just seeing whether or not they could contain somebody like Kyler Murray, um, who I think you could make the case has had the most complete season of any college quarterback I, this year. I'm I'm saying he's he's my Heisman. Yeah, I I think when I because my thing with Alabama too is incredible. I mean, I'm not he broke a single season record for Alabama this past weekend against Citadel with I think he had 31 touchdowns this season. So mm. Brandon, he's having an incredible run. And I think A.J. McCarron set the prior record to that. So, incredible run for Tua. But when you look at an MVP-type caliber, who is, like, what team, you know, is just determined to win with one player, and that is mm-hmm. Oklahoma and Kyler yep. Murray. I mean, you We're know, you've got Alabama. Here. You've got, you know, you've got 20 different NFL-caliber players on the field versus Oklahoma, where it's really Kyler Murray and everybody else. Well, Kyler Murray has to go into every game knowing his defense is going to drop 49, so he has to <laughs> score 56. Yeah, like, exactly. Tua doesn't have to worry about that, and I'm not. that's not no. to his fault. Like, it's not his fault that he has a great uh, defense behind him and a great offensive line and great playmakers, but he also doesn't have a run game this year, which cannot be understated that he's having to do a lot more than Alabama quarterbacks the last couple of years through the air, but, like, he can, and, I mean, if he wins Heisman, that's totally defensible, and that's not what I'm suggesting. He, It's just that Kyler Murray has to go week in, week out, like, uh, what do I have to do this week to keep my team alive? It's Gotta put just, up 85 it's, it's points. It's Aaron Rodgers and, uh, type deal where it's like, yeah. I have to do everything myself. You know, it's really sad that we're not really going to get to see him ever play football again. Maybe we yeah. will, but maybe we I, won't. I doubt I, it. I have my doubts. You know, 
I just, but he's an incredible football player. Like it doesn't right. matter who they're playing. If I ever, I see Oklahoma on the TV, I like want to watch their games because of Kyler Murray. I mean, he's a playmaker, you know, but then again, I wonder if he's got a sort of, I, I'm not saying check out in the last game of the season, but you know, it isn't the biggest game of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, it could, yeah, it is one of the biggest games of the year, but I just wonder, you know, this is sort of his only season. Is he going to sort of check out? I mean, probably I'm not, not worried about but, it. That dude's on yeah. a mission. That guy is on a mission to score 63 every single week. He and Lincoln <laughs> well, Riley he's doing that. Are, yeah. Um, I, I'm not worried about Kyler Murray. So who is your first that just happened of the week? Well, I wanted to just get right to it because my favorite guy is returning to the football field. I know it's not anything that that just happened on the football field necessarily, but it's that just happened in the contract room. Less miles to Kansas. Mm-hmm. All right. I am, Did you watch that press conference today? I, I am. I'm concerned a little bit that Les Miles is a little checked out uh, already. Mm-hmm. Not uh, good for the entire the opening press conference. <laughs> no, uh, Les Miles completely forgot what he was talking about, which it happens to everybody. It happens to me sometimes. I mean, everybody's a little ADD. You know, mm-hmm. give him a little bit of a break. He's been eating grass for a lot of years. <laughs> you don't know what pesticides get to you. Yeah, exactly. But um, just, I don't know, a big time hard for Kansas for one of the football's worst programs ever, like mm-hmm. ever. Um, but, I've not you know, I don't since Mark Mangino. No, Mark Mangino's, I think, like the only winning football coach since like the 1960s mm, that's for Kansas. Right. I'd yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't still... Turner Gill for sure. No, and it wasn't Charlie Wise. So, mm. um, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I think it's a downgrade, obviously, for Les Miles, but the fact that um, Bill Self was huge on the hire, I mean, he made a PowerPoint for his players and went over the hire with some of his basketball players, and they, he asked what they thought. Um, and I thought that was sort of cool, you know, just the fact mm-hmm. that the basketball team's all in on this. But, um, yeah, Les Miles is back, baby. Mad Hatter. I'm not in. I think it's awful. It reminds, what? So, yeah. I think it's awful. So Why? Les Miles. So it's easy. This is a different thing because LSU did not used to be this kind of powerhouse that they are now. But Les Miles was really good 10 years ago. He was a really – Stu Mandel on The Athletic wrote a really good, just brutal column ripping the the hire for um, Kansas and Les Miles. I mean, he's, what, 65 at this point? And my first thought was, okay, maybe best case scenario, this is a Herm Edwards at Arizona State situation where we go in just like we listen to the coach speak, we listen to the the wonky lessisms, and we're like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. This is insane. And he's going to need the right kind of coordinators to kind of get this thing in order to win six games, win seven games at Kansas year in, year out. And... I just, I don't believe it. I remember those Cam Cameron offenses. I remember what LSU looked like offensively for years and years and years. And it was a detriment. Like the Yeah, well, LSU's thing... offense still looks like that. I don't right. know if that has anything to do with Les Miles. Well, I think it, the, the Les Miles years he was there had to do with Les Miles because he brought in guys like Cam Cameron who just played a conservative, out-of-touch out of way of doing things. Like the... What Mandel pointed out in the piece, and I think this was a smart um, a smart point to make, was that Nick Saban used to play like Les Miles 13 years ago. Like the Greg McElroy, 
years, the John Parker Wilson, those kind of guys, like that pro style, run it down your throat, very archaic offense um, that he doesn't do anymore. Like when Lane Kiffin came in and everything else, like they switched, like Blake Sims, all those guys, they played a very different style of football offensively. And Nick Saban may not like the way they have to play offensively to blow teams out, but he knows that that's the best way to win football games. You have to play that kind of offensive scheme to kind of survive in today's college football and maybe just football in general. And I mean, that's probably the biggest uh, indictment on what Gus Malzahn's doing at Auburn these days with Chip Lindsey. But um, yeah, I think he never evolved. And I think at 65, asking an, a coach to change his ways is very unlikely. So I think this offense is still going to be putrid. And if I'm Puka Williams, I'm out of there right now. Like I'm asking for my transfer. Like this is nope, no, thank you. Yeah. I'm not signing on for Cam Cameron in 2019 hard pass. Uh, I just I don't believe in this offense. I think he'll recruit. Uh, I think that's probably going to happen. He'll probably have a good defense. He'll probably lure some sort of pretty intriguing defensive coordinator name. I think that will be better for them. But I just think a lot more of these teams need to take chances on the young up-and-comers like the Lincoln Rallies, the Ryan Days, uh, the Josh Heupel, who still hasn't lost at UCF. Like well, I would have gone I mean, outside I think- the box. I think people have taken a, a chance on these hires. I mean, Lincoln Riley is at Oklahoma, you know, yeah. Kirby Smart. I mean, you know, granted, he's a younger coach. I mean, this was mm-hmm. his first year, you know, or first time head coach opportunity at Georgia. You've got Jeremy Pruitt, you know, over at Tennessee. You've got you've got these people taking chances on younger coaches. But also, Wes Miles is one of five coaches, active coaches, that have won a national championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a fact. You know, and this, and and Kansas is not going to get anybody better. I mean, no offense into Kansas. I mean, they are one of the worst college football programs in the history of college football. I mean, the fact that you're bringing in a national champion coach. I mean, that is a big deal. You know, I and think I think so. Cooper it reminds Williams, me of Jeff Fisher and John Fox. Like they both no, Wes Miles is not a seven and nine coach. I think he is at Kansas at the like he is a best yeah, case he scenario might be, six and six best case for the first three years i would give them six and six and also i mean this kansas team has been i mean i i am a huge fan of les miles he is there and the thing about cameron he was fired because he didn't fire kim cameron so allegiance is les miles exactly and that's what Mm -hmm. was his downfall it wasn't necessarily his coaching or his philosophy might have been kim cameron's philosophy but the fact is you know, his loyalty was his downfall. And I think I would like a coach that was loyal over, you know, backstabbing. I also would like a coach that's winning, which he has won a natty, know. and I haven't won a natty in my last lifetime. So, you know, I can't. it might work out. Who knows? I just, I'm dubious. I think this is a dumpster fire, and I would just not bet on this working out for. Well, at least Kansas. we can have him, you know, have him on the press conference. That's true. Know, round table. That's like, nice. there's less miles. Is, wonderful to listen to so well i think he's just waiting out lee corso for game day so he went back to coaching for a, a Poor lee more years oh he i love lee corso love him to death like i wish i could keep him in my pocket but he is uh, he is almost done at game day i mean he has to go until he wants to leave i mean i know I but love it. it does seem like he like Les Miles would be the favorite to replace him, right? Is there anyone else that stands out? Well, actually, no. I mean, they had him on ESPN, and Les Miles is very awkward on camera. Mm. Like, I thought I would love Les Miles on camera, and he really is a, a very awkward. I honestly prefer Gene Chizik over Les Miles on camera. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's saying something. I know yeah. that's a statement. That's a hot take. 
How about none of the above here? Maybe that's what we're going to do. <laughs> um, uh, Tony Romo over anybody? I'll take that. That's true. Not a lot of talk. Remember how obsessed everybody was with Tony Romo calling plays out before they I'm, happened last year? Uh, and no one well, talks about him anymore. I'm still obsessed. I think it's because we've just realized how great he is at calling games. Yeah. Like, I... I love listening to Tony Romo talk. And then I feel bad for Jason Witten because I feel like he's good at his job, but compared to Tony Romo, he's like a clear, like, 10th place. I think he's oh. very bad at his job, Jason Witten. <laughs> and ESPN's Monday Night Football broadcast is uh, very bad. And it's horrendous. It's horrendous. Mm-hmm. It is. No yeah. replays. They do so much weird stuff. Like, <laughs> the Anthony Mc- McFarlane, like, whatever he's uh, in watching the game and just, I don't, they're trying to do too much and it just doesn't work. And there's too many cooks in the kitchen and I just, I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish, but it's a yeah. disaster until Peyton Manning comes in, which I do think is happening. God, I love Peyton Manning and every commercial he does. It's like, is a winner. I hate that Peyton Manning has like grown on me since he's retired, but it's happening. Yeah. I just so. put him on Monday night football. Peyton, just go to Monday night football. You're already doing God, ESPN I... plus stuff with uh, Patrick yeah. Mahomes and all those guys. Just, Add Monday Night Football to your Rolodex. Like, that is exactly what ESPN is. is <laughs> I, I mean, I would be okay with him just sticking with nationwide commercials. Okay, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's, I he's really good at those. <laughs> you don't see those with Brad Paisley that he does? No, I've seen it, oh but I've tried God, not to watch it's it. No. so funny. It's literally so funny. Go watch it. Uh, he pass. thinks he's in a band. He thinks he's in a band. So that's it, all you it need. sounds great, Jordan. But um, yeah. I don't think I'm going to be able to tune in this week. Maybe next year I will um, isolate some time to watch some Peyton Manning commercials. You're missing um, So my first, that just happened. So I have a lot of thoughts on this. And you're not going to believe this, Jordan, but I have thoughts on Ohio State. And what I want to, like, and we've talked about the other team that I kind of been thinking about with them in Oklahoma. So my question is, should we look at Ohio State like we look at Oklahoma right now? Um, Oklahoma towards the end of the Bob Stoops era, like we can acknowledge that he's one of the best college football coaches of all time, but there just was something not right anymore about him running things. And um, they needed a jolt at OU. They needed something to re-energize that program. And Lincoln Riley just took over. And Stoops was clearly tired and ready to move on from coaching and the stresses of being a top coach in a Power 5 conference for years and years and years and competing for national titles for years and years and years. And it's fine. He's happy with his retired life, it seems. And it worked out. I kind of feel like that's where Urban is. I mean, obviously, Bob Stoops will have a much better ending to his college football coaching career than Urban Meyer. Less uh, stress, I would say. But it kind of reminds me of that same situation because Ryan Day is sitting there, right? We saw what he did those first three weeks coaching Ohio State and um, what he did against TCU especially. Like that offense is just a different animal. When they brought him in along with Kevin Wilson, um, it was kind of an under-the-radar just get for them because he is a disciple of Urban. He coached with him at Florida, but he also started um, with Chip Kelly at New Hampshire where he was an all-time leader uh, for the New Hampshire, I believe, are they the Bobcats? I want to say they're the Bobcats. And that's just where he got jump-started. And then he was a QB coach for the Eagles with Chip Kelly and then the 49ers with Chip Kelly. Like, he is an offensive mastermind. I kind of think that that's kind of what Ohio State is sitting on, similar to what Oklahoma was sitting on with Lincoln Riley, this young, brilliant offensive mind, kind of in the uh, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay kind of vein, where it's like once they just get their opportunity, even though they're young, 
you just feel like that program is going to be reinvigorated because they already have that five and four star talent all over the field that if you just promote uh, Ryan Day at the end of the year and fire Greg Schiano, of course, and get a real DC in there at this point, um, this is a team that's going to get right back to winning national titles. And if you look at what he did, even at BC with Steve Adazio, uh, he like turned Andre Williams, who rushed for 584 yards uh, the previous season before he got there, to 2,177. Um, it's one of those things where the passing game this season is what has kept Ohio State in every single football game they have no business being in. And that's his thing. He's a quarterback's coach. He is someone who knows how to get something out of nothing. Tyler Murphy had uh, a great season at Boston College under Ryan Day. Ryan Day is a guy who is a quarterback whisperer similar to Lincoln Riley. So I look at him and I'm just like, you know, Ohio State may not have it this year. There's something off. The defense isn't right. But there's changes to be made and it's easily fixable because this defense, I mean, was what 126 in isolated points per play per Bill Connolly through seven weeks this season. Like the defense has been terrible from the get go, but Dwayne Haskins unfazed, like what he's doing, you can't deny like him getting what he did out of JT Barrett versus Dwayne Haskins and being able to maneuver um, those two different playing styles because if you watch JT Barrett all last year this was not a downfield passing team he ran a lot he had to use his legs a lot more than Dwayne Haskins has to and that's because Ryan Day adapted the system um, for the quarterbacks that he had like they played a very Chip Kelly heavy scheme with JT Barrett now they're going pro style this year and Dwayne Haskins is making NFL throws after NFL throws all over the place and just eviscerating opposing defenses like Ryan Day knows what he's doing and you read those quotes about other coordinators in the Big Ten saying that like they can tell the difference between the Urban Meyer uh, influenced offense uh, since he came back versus what Ryan Day was doing the first couple weeks because he is the play caller and Kevin Wilson is just like the offensive coordinator and title only. Like there is just so many reasons for optimism there if they just promote Ryan Day and I don't think there's a lot to worry about other than just firing Greg Schiano, uh- Urban moving on and them adjusting because like they play an isolated scheme and there's this really good piece on land grant holy land that outlined um shiano's scheme issues he's still playing a 4-3 in 2018 you can't survive like that and there's another team i'm going to talk about who made a halftime adjustment from their normal base set and it caused them to win the game like if they don't have denzel ward and malik hooker and other just nfl first rounders in that back end like you can't survive and when ohio state has as bad of like a secondary and a, like and it, it their worst thing is obviously their linebacking core, which is just atrocious and have guys that just can't keep up with anyone anymore. Uh, shout out to Borland. Um, <laughs> commentators love, but it's, I think because they think he's good, like Luke Keekley or something, but he's actually um, pretty atrocious for this group. Um, but yeah, I just, I think this is easily fixable and I think we should look at Ohio state, like a sleeping giant, like OU was prior to Lincoln Raleigh getting the reins. Is that fair? I just wonder, is Ryan Day a sexy enough hire for them? I know yes. that he came in and, and he did exactly what he needed to do, to be perfectly honest. I think those were the, I mean, fact is fact. I think he had the most dominant wins of Ohio State this season, Ryan Day as head coach. Um, you know, and I think that he, you know, he does, like this offense that he's running, I think that it's, you know, impressive. And I think that uh, Dwayne Haskins is putting a lot on his back. But I don't know. Greg Schiano, I think from the very beginning, was never a good defense coordinator. And the fact that Tennessee was about to hire him, I think it's almost laughable at this point. Dodge but, the bullet there. Uh, oh, yeah, dodged a bullet, a major bullet. Um, I just, 
I just am not high on Ohio State right now. I don't think anything that they're doing besides Dwayne Haskins' play is, is good. I think for the, the two running backs that they have right now, I think they could be getting a lot more production out of that. And this is what's crazy to me about the fact that they have Dwayne Haskins and they can't win football games or they haven't won the key football games that they needed to, and they've kept the close ones that they should have won. You know, close. Well, to be fair, they've only lost one game this year. Like Dwayne Haskins has been, he's not losing but, games. But they're but they're close games after close games after close games. Yeah, you know, and Similar I'm not putting that Murray. on Dwayne like, Haskins. But what, yeah. but what I'm saying is, why could they win with JT Barrett, and why can they not win with Dwayne Haskins? I mean, and I know it comes down to defense. I think that's obviously yeah, their Achilles heel. It honestly, it's, that defense was better when uh, JT I, Barrett had Malik Hooker, Denzel Ward, and guys like that. Like it was just a better defense. But I also think it's the fact that. Urban Meyer is completely checked out. I really don't think that. I mean, no, I think he's the opposite. We, we, he's very checked in. He was I, having a meltdown on the sidelines. I don't well, think Urban's ever been more checked I in. I think it's. A, I think it's a mixture of him. Really, truly, we talk about him having health problems. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe he has issues going on with who knows what. But I also believe he's using that as a crutch. And I do also believe that he's pouting right now, and he's mm-hmm. going against the administration because. He's not where he needs to be. Which is insane because this team is literally a victory over uh, Michigan at home from being in the playoff. I still believe if they beat them, they're in the playoff. They're not winning the title. Like, I still think it's just Clemson and Alabama and then everybody else. And that's fine. But, like, Ohio State, we feel like the bottom is falling out and, like, they're having this atrocious season. Meanwhile, like, Penn State's been actually bad for, like, six weeks now and they're kind of getting shielded from a lot of well, I mean, Penn play, State but, is, yeah. we know that they've been horrendous. And I mean, yeah. that's been, you know, written in the sense of time for a while. But I mean, I'm looking at like Ohio State's games. And I mean, a 27-26 win over Penn State, which at the time I thought Penn State was a top six team at that time. Um, uh, I was talking you off that, Jordan, to be fair. Yes, I know. I was I know not you a were. Penn State believer. What, yeah. what about that 36-31 to 31 win over Nebraska, who was, what, like a three-win team at that time? Hold Maybe? on, powerhouse Nebraska now. They are the powerhouse yeah. after beating um, Rocky Lombardi and those Michigan State Spartans. Well, and I just, the Maryland, I, like, Maryland's a great team, but they also have an interim head coach in there. And so I just, you know, that's a cause for just chaos in a program, and I just, you know, if you're Ohio State, you should be winning that game. And they won. So just, but that's the thing is they, they won. But they, they keep surviving. They're winning so games. Why, why is it not a big deal if Georgia beats, you know, number nine Kentucky or number nine Florida or number 24, you know, this team or that team? It's not a big deal if they do that. But, you know, if Ohio State survives Maryland, like, with an interim coach, it's a huge deal. Like, I just don't understand. Okay, I'm starting to get the picture of why you're annoyed by you get, Ohio State. You brought well, it in I, at the very end of this. I it, it's I mean, all... I don't, you know, I mean, I'm going into the fact that I just don't get it. I just don't get it. You okay. know, teams are losing to, you know, Vanderbilt-style teams, but, you know, they're getting... Georgia's in a rough spot. I'll admit that, Jordan. I will I will admit that Georgia is in a very rough spot because they are the victim of their own conference. And, and they're a victim of having to play Alabama in the SEC championship. Yeah, it's unfortunate. They should have dropped the Kentucky game and avoided it. I mean, had they not lost um, to LSU, I would have tanked the Kentucky game God, if I was Georgia. Uh, yeah, just done the whole Alabama route. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's Georgia's yeah. only path to a national title. Well, like, they I have mean, to avoid you're not going to be able to game. beat Alabama twice. So, I mean, that's right. just a fact. Yeah, you know, I mean, how many times? I think what Saban is perfect, like thirteen and zero against his former assistants. Yes. Yeah. So um, I mean, Jimbo had to avoid Saban <laughs> to win a title. Like that's how he. Like that's the path is those assistants yeah. have to just avoid him. When's uh, when's Saban retiring? Can we talk about that? Probably not for a while. <laughs> He's gonna be like uh, Bill Snyder. Okay. He's gonna have to be like last year, Bill out. Snyder. And I have some no, Kansas State thoughts. You're not gonna believe this, but I do later. But um, we got to keep moving. Jordan, who's your next? That just happened. Well, uh, the fact that West Virginia blew a lead and uh, lost to an unranked Oklahoma State and basically failed to clinch the Big Ten berth. Uh, I mean, they still yeah. can if they beat. No, Oklahoma they still can. Weekend. Yeah. But the fact is, if they just would have won, you know, right. they would have been. Well, they were up 31-14. And they're on my yeah, list for one half. of the games this Friday because I do have some thoughts on what makes the Friday uh, West Virginia at home versus Oklahoma game so fascinating. But, I'm yeah, I mean, that. losing that game the way they did. My Gundy's team this year, like, I don't, Mr. Cornelius himself, I, I don't understand this Cowboys team at all. Like, they're always weird. But, like, the, I just, I don't even know how you would describe Oklahoma State this year like because in previous years we're like they're always a solid a minus b plus team this year they're like I could understand a d plus I can understand an a minus I can understand a c plus it depends on the week right very mercurial (laughs) it's uh I was very I I, literally my mouth was sort of dropped when I was just watching this sort of all unfold but Mm-hmm. I just I think the biggest thing about it was just the fact that West Virginia going into this I can remember some like top college football writers like going at me like quote tweeting me on Twitter saying you know because I confronted them about having West Virginia in the top four I mean we all knew going into this season that West Virginia's defense could be the biggest question mark and we've seen that uh, West yeah. Virginia's defense is definitely you know the issue of the team Will Greer has had good games and has had bad games but that was a bad game he missed a lot of easy throws and if you go back and look at some of the stuff yeah i can't see i mean i know this quarterback class is like you know not very deep at all but like Mm -hmm. he's been very inconsistent for me as somebody that's been you know around college football for a while regardless whether he's been on the field or suspended or you know taking peds you know whatever Mm-hmm. He should be connecting on these easy throws and making the plays that he's playing that we're seeing, you know, freshmen, you know, freshmen and sophomores do this and he's missing these types of sl- throws and it's just, uh, it's a little alarming. Um, but yeah, that's just basically sort of what just really shocked me. The fact that West Virginia just. It was on the road though. And their two stumbling blocks this year have been on the road in tough places to play Oklahoma state and Iowa state. Um, I, I just, I think it's all about expectations going into the year. Like West Virginia had high expectations going there. They even opened with Tennessee. Like their schedule was brutal anyway for them to get to the point where they're nine and two and still fit, like still in play for the big 12. That's a huge win for Dana Holger. This is still in a great year. Like no matter what, even when they drop games like that, I think you have to look at the, the whole picture here. And I think the whole picture indicates that this West Virginia team really exceeded expectations if you looked at that schedule before the year and hindsight is 2020 but i i did not believe that 
the Mountaineers would be able to withstand this kind of schedule, even with the amount of talent that they have on offense and the defense being a little bit better than they have in years past. Like I thought eight and four seemed about right for them. But if they get to 10 and two or nine and three, that's a huge, huge win for them. And this program, I still think is going in the right direction. It's just really, really hard to um, go perfect and to win all of these games against a lot of feisty Big 12 teams. Like the Big 12 is tough. And that's one of the reasons I think KU is going to be so bad with less miles is that you are you have to score points in the Big 12 to survive. You have to. And well, if you're not going to score, you're not going to win football games in that conference. It's just part of the deal. Well, that's not normally the case. Sometimes Iowa scores, you know, Iowa, Iowa State's what, like a 9-6, 12-6 yeah, those games game, are and just, Iowa yeah, went, what, right. put 63 on, um, you know, so granted, yeah, you got to score points. But, you know, when you're playing Oklahoma State's now 6-5, and five, you're West Virginia, you're 8-2, and two, you should be mm-hmm. winning this ball game, especially with Will Greer, who is a Heisman, you know, candidate. Um, but to be to be perfectly honest, I think Gardner Minshew needs to be put up above Will Greer. So, yeah, I think that's probably fair Kyler, at this point. You know, Kyler Murray, you got Gardner Minshew, and you got Tua. I mm. think those are your three. Oh, that and Daryl Henderson, from. by the way, at Memphis. Daryl Henderson, he Memphis, Memphis, big win. Yeah, I like Daryl Henderson. He's great. He was a Chase's contrarian choice a few weeks back. I wish I could pick him every week, but I can't. <laughs> you can. You can bring him up. Okay. Make sure people get, you know. So my next get one, Go. Utah. They blew out Colorado, and it resulted in the firing of Mike McIntyre, who started off the year undefeated, and I was not buying the Colorado is back hype um, on this podcast, I didn't believe it. Steven Montez was a top of a lot of passing categories. It was mostly Lavishka Chenault just being uh, a man among my boys. Russian, my Russian running back. Yes, your Russian running back. And he got hurt, and they kind of imploded. The defense has been bad. Um, but I think Utah winning this game, they won the Pac-12 South after winning this game. First time since joining the conference. November has been a pesky month to say the least, for them since moving to the Pac-12. They have been 13-15 and 15 in November since joining the Pac-12 in 2011. 13-15. and 15. They've had awful injury luck with their starting quarterback, who, by the way, out for the year again, Mr. Hunley, so that Jason Shelley steps right in, averages 9.6 yards per attempt in this game. Um, I Shout out to Utah. So I just wanted to say that. Utah deserves a lot of credit. Uh, Kyle you- yeah, they withstood uh, a season where they could have imploded in November again. Like, you would have understood losing your quarterback again. Like, Travis Wilson has had, like, the worst injury luck with the Utes over the years since moving to the Pac-12, and they just they couldn't stay healthy at the right moment, so they just couldn't finish these seasons, even though they got off to good starts and all that kind of stuff. But um, Utah, they did it. Um, shout out to Utah. And you know I what? Love- they got a coach fired. Is that not, like, the best scenario for any team? Like, when... Um, who was it who blew out Wake and they fired their defensive coordinator? State was that Notre Dame? I think it was Notre Dame. Was it this year? Yeah, I think it was. I think Ian mm. Book blew out West Wake Forest and then they ended up firing their DC the next day. Um, that's like the best feeling if you're a player, right? Like you you beat a team and uh, that resulted in the AD being like, "Okay, I've seen enough. Goodbye." Like I uh, yeah. Shout out to Mac, Mike, Mike McIntyre, who I think had a good run early on, but um, well. You know who's a name for that position at Colorado? Mm-hmm. We talked about him. Dana. Dana Holgerson. 
I don't like that. I don't think that's a step up. I, I don't think that. I, I feel like West Virginia is a better program than Colorado. I would agree. But I mean, Colorado Stadium, I don't know. I know we've sort of mentioned places that we would want to visit. My parents actually went to Colorado for the Georgia-Colorado game a couple years back. And that stadium is one of the most beautiful in the country. So I think if you're going for like a, a wow factor, that could be something something Chuck amazing. Chuck Pagano is in, is in the category, it looks like. He is a Boulder resident. How to, really? I mean, yes. And Pagano not doing anything now. Um, had a successful I like run, I that hire. Right. I think that would be intriguing. I mean, he would not be my number one choice for them, but I think if you're trying to get a guy at this level, I mean, it just depends on what you think Colorado should be as a program. I think it's going to be really hard for them to win the Pac-12 anyway, but I mean, he would recruit. You know he would recruit. Um, I'm not sure about how long he'd be there. I just, I've almost, I'm just naturally hesitant about hiring older coaches especially in college ball where the recruiting um grind is just intense and he would have to jump right in and i mean recruiting is um at a critical time right now and and i i don't know i would be a little nervous about that but this is the kansas state part of it jordan jim levitt the defensive coordinator at oregon who was the defensive coordinator at colorado a few years back he is a leading candidate for this job he apparently wants to be a head coach again per buffetzone.com. However, I was told from a other person who, in the know that Jim Levitt uh, would be heavily considered for the Kansas State job once Bill Snyder retires in, at the end of this year. So it might be a battle between the Wildcats and the Buffaloes for Levitt as their head coach. So I think it's going to be an interesting search. My number one pick would probably be of that group, Matt Wells of Utah State. Um, who is 10 and 10-1 this year, 44-33 and 40, uh, and 33 since becoming the Aggies head coach. He was promoted from OC to head coach there. Um, I don't know. I think I would go outside of the box. Or maybe Jay Norville at Memphis. I, I just like those kind of names more than like the take a chance on a recently fired NFL coach. Or yeah, but I mean, sometimes that's what you need to get. That's sometimes what you need to get your program back in the swing of things, the right culture, mm-hmm. like to get your program back on the map. Like I feel like Arizona state, the fact that Herm Edwards is there now, I'm paying more attention to Arizona state than I ever have in the past. That's I fair, mean, to be perfectly it's... honest, you know, I mean, however, uh, Jordan, would you like to guess who finished higher? I mean, the season we have one more week in the PAC 12 South, uh, the Arizona Wildcats with Kevin Sumlin or your <laughs> Sun Devils of Arizona state. Would you like to guess who is atop the standings? Uh, even right though now? Arizona got their ass beat this past weekend by Washington mm-hmm. State. I mean, Gardner Minshew just like, woo, he just like swept the floor on Arizona and Kevin Sumlin. I would have to say probably Arizona has a better record. Can you believe Colorado is finishing last <laughs> in the Pac-12 South this year after where they started? That's wild. Wait, Colorado? Yes, they're last in the Pac-12 South right now. I mean, I feel like we talked about Steven Montez and uh, Lavishka Chenault, my running back, Russian running back, for mm-hmm. a while. I mean, they were, I mean, they had at least one loss for a good half of the season, right? Yes. I mean, they were undefeated for like, I think they started 5-0, and I want to say. Yeah, I mean, I feel game. like I feel like they lost their first game at the half mark of the season. Yeah. Sad state Crazy. of affairs. But, you know, I hope they find the right guy. Colorado. Should be interesting. Um, you're next. That just happened. Okay. Well, um, how about the fact that uh, 
Mizzou offensive coordinator and former Tennessee coach Jared Dooley got to get revenge on his former team. Uh, Mizzou obviously beat up on Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt, and I'm sure Jeremy Pruitt will not let that happen again under his watch. I'm sure like Jeremy Pruitt goes home and cries uh, to his wife and maybe his dogs about the way the season's going. To go from being like a winning coach to a program that's I mean, he's had some big wins. I mean, since we've talked, Tennessee beat Kentucky, which is one hell of a win. Um, Mm -hmm. Shout out to 24-7 Vols, though. They wrote this article that said, uh, after two top 24 wins, the Vols can hang with anybody. I would like to put an asterisk (laughs) beside that and say, uh, except Mizzou. Mm -hmm. To be fair, Mizzou did throw all over Georgia. I I mean, Mizzou, Drew Locke is one of the SEC's top passing guys uh, ever. I mean, yes. so like Drew, Drew Locke is an incredible quarterback. The fact that he has no defense and really nothing else around him. He's got some great wide receivers, but um, I mean, Drew Locke is a great quarterback. So, I mean, this is nothing short of Mizzou's, you know, I, I, I would have expected them to do this, but you know, just the fact that Derek Dooley could get a little bit of revenge on his former team. Uh, I'm sure got under a lot of Tennessee fans' skin. But um, to be perfectly honest, I think Jeremy Pruitt's doing an incredible job first year with this program. I mean, he doesn't have the talent to stack up with a lot of the other teams, and yet he's getting production out of it, at least. And they lost Jared Guantanamo. um, What was it, the first quarter of the game? really come on. Like, he is, that's like one of their biggest wins, is him looking like a legitimate quarterback. Yeah. Compared to what you saw with him under Bush Jones, I mean, like you barely even saw anything because he was playing, playing quarterback, you know, roulette. But um, yeah, Jared has looked incredible. But the fact that they lost him to a targeting call really, really hurt Tennessee. And I think that was just sort of the nail in the coffin. But um, big win for Mizzou. So, yeah. If I'm Mizzou, though, if I'm a fan of the Tigers, I'm a little concerned that Barry Oda might win enough to keep his job again. He is going to win concern. enough to keep his – this win kept Barry Odom's job. So, unfortunately – I mean, he is not – isn't he a former player, though? Uh, I would imagine so. He looks like a former I think, player. Seems yeah, right. I think he, I think he is. So, it's a guy that you want in there, but, like, he just can't – I mean, when you look at some of the other SEC coaches, Dan Mullen, um, Will Muschamp, Derek Mason, you know, Kirby Smart, Nick, Nick Saban, you're not going to be able to keep up with – the level of intelligence when it comes to playing the chess match of football on the field. Like your name is Barry Odom. So <laughs> not going to happen there. Barry Odom. I mean, I like Barry. I think he's a great guy, but it sounds like not... a, what a ringing endorsement of Barry Odom from Jordan DR uh, tonight. But you know what? Mm-hmm. You know what? This is just a side note. You know, who's going to end up at Mississippi state. Uh, I hope you're not about to say Kelly Bryant. I think so. You know why? Why? I'll wait to tell you on Jordan's gym. Okay, great. Um, as long as he doesn't go to Arkansas, which would be the saddest thing ever. Like, whoever's what? in his ear should, like, I get the Chad Morris connection. I get that. Yeah, I understand uh, well, that. I think that's what rings truer than anything else. I think that's the Arkansas only reason is why. atrocious. They're S&P Plus. Like, every number I look at with Arkansas, I'm just... Chad Morris, I don't like you see what SMU has done this year 
year one removed from Chad Morris. Like Sonny exactly. Dykes has already turned that success. program into a ball eligible team in year one. Like I, I don't think Chad Morris is a good head coach. He should stay away. No. Like that team's going to be awful next year. And you're going to waste your last year of eligibility and basically playing football. Cause it's not, like he's going to the pros and being a quarterback or anything like that. You're going to waste it. And you can go to Auburn and play Alabama and Georgia at home. Yeah. Have your own look, Nick Marshall yeah. moment. I know, no, but here's the thing, Chase. You want to act like this whole transferring quarterback thing works for Auburn. Look at what happened to Jared Stidham. Literally, he came in, literally came in as the god of college football transfers. Mm -hmm. Auburn was expected to, like, literally contend for the West these past two years, which they did year before, but Jared Stidham did not. You can make the case the best in college football last year, though. You're, like he, oh my goodness! Are you smoking that grass? No, Karen Johnson. Case. If he's healthy, like that team, they to if they had survived the gauntlet of Georgia, Alabama, Georgia. I mean, uh, yeah, Georgia, Alabama, Georgia. Then I mean, it just would have been one of the all-time runs. Like, how do you? It would have been, off? but they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I still think they were probably the best. If Georgia would have survived, you know, Auburn, that could have been the best run too. Maybe mm. not. Okay, but I mean, I, I think mean, he's had a bad year. I just, but I just I think don't know if Auburn. Enough. So where is he taking his official? Bit? I mean, I guess we'll talk about this later. He was just at Auburn. I know that. Um, well, but, but he was more. just at Mississippi North Carolina. State I think too. weirdly enough, North Carolina he, was on the list. Well, he was at Mississippi State too. Miami too. I want to say Miami's on the list as well. And my gym of the week is going to give you a little hint of where he's going to land. So okay, great. Um. My last, that just happened. You're not going to believe this, Jordan. It's another contrarian choice. Hmm. Pittsburgh wins the Coastal Division with the 69th ranked point differential in college football. They have a negative .2 point differential and are going to represent the ACC Coastal Division in the ACC title game against Clemson. I just... So, Pittsburgh, let me just read off some stuff about Pitt. Pitt is... They have a plus... 20.3 point differential in their last three weeks because they've blown out teams last three weeks and they've just turned into a different team under Mr. Narduzzi himself. Um, They got blown out earlier this year by the University of Central Florida Golden Knights, uh, college football's one true undefeated uh, juggernaut. And they got blown out by the Penn State Nittany Lions, who are not good. Then they beat Syracuse, Duke, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. Because that's how the Pitt Panthers roll. It just nothing makes sense for them. Um, they have two one thousand yard rushers in Quadri Olson and Darren Hall, who didn't do anything this past week against one of the worst rushing defenses in college football. The, I am of course talking about the Wake Forest team and Deacons. So what can they not do against Wake Forest? Run the football, even though they have two powerhouse running backs who just can do whatever they want every single week. No, Mister Pickett himself comes onto the field. It just throws all over Wake Forest in the second half to get them rolling. Um, almost three 100-yard receivers in that game. Like, they throw all over Wake Forest, and they win another blowout in that way. I don't understand Pitt at all. I, I really do believe Clemson should be nervous about Pitt Panthers uh, coming to the title game to Charlotte. It's going to be weird. We know what they've done to them before. We know Pitt's MO, just ruining people's season. Uh, it, I just They're the most baffling division-winning team i it, i just can't get over it jordan you, you would you would pick pit more baffling than northwestern yes because they're both really they're, ugly winners this yeah this, I, see, I mean this championship saturday really makes me wish that we didn't have any more championships 
Because these I are not the point. sexy games I want to watch or potentially yeah. watch. It's also not fair to a lot of these teams. Like the Big 12 is obviously the worst of this, but well, um, they've really got to do some restructuring with the, the big, uh, big 10 at least. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, and Notre yeah. Dame doesn't even play a championship game, so therefore, should we hold that against them in the top, you know, the college football playoff ranking, which we have in the past, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's what we should do. Here's what we could do. They play an ACC schedule anyway. Let's put them in the ACC title game against Clemson. Why? And they beat Why Pitt. not? Yeah, that, let's do I, it. I, I mean, that would make more sense than we would figure out, okay, if, if Notre Dame plays them close, then, you know, that's one loss. They might be eligible to be in there for the fourth, you know, fourth spot. But I don't know how good they are. And they don't play anybody. And so therefore, if you if you're choosing and picking the number of games that you play in the conference anyway, shouldn't you just play in that conference? Yeah, I don't know, but we can't underestimate Pickett Power and the Pittsburgh Panthers. Well, the Pittsburgh Panthers are playing for that title, and with a chance on the line, you know anything can happen. I mean, it would be the the greatest thing if Dabo lost. It would be <laughs> Clemsoning, but I think yeah. that the Clemsoning could happen sooner than the Pitt game, so. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, who is your gym of the week? Well, I sort of got two. Mm-hmm. I sort of wanted to give the teaser first, just okay. so that the people that are listening can get what they are. That's just because you're a radio veteran and a true pro, Jordan. Oh, uh, you know, I, I do what I can. So, um, Mississippi State, actually, you know, the Egg Bowl is going to be coming up this week, and uh, Ole Miss had this huge recruit. Number three JUCO wide receiver in the country, uh, Javante Payton. Well, right before this, you know, this game this weekend, uh, he flipped his commitment to Mississippi State, obviously with the Ole Miss pledge. Well, why did he flip his commitment? He hit it off with none other than Kelly Bryant this past weekend in Starkville. So, my question is, if the number three JUCO wide receiver in the country is switching his commitment from Ole Miss to Mississippi State before this huge game this weekend because of Kelly Bryant is Kelly Bryant going to Mississippi State. I mean, if he's scared of competing with Bo Nix in the spring, I can understand it. But, uh, I mean, it's fine. Like, Mississippi State is a underrated, like, what they did this weekend and just S&P Plus loves Mississippi State. They're, you can make the case that they're still a top 10, top 15 team at worst, and Joe Moorhead's done a great job there, and he brought in a great defensive coordinator. Um, I believe it was Tennessee's guy, and it was Penn State's defensive coordinator before that, Mr. Shoop. Um, so they're, they're a built team. Like, their defensive line is stacked, and they're they're going to be good. And if you put Kelly Bryan in there, I think that's an upgrade over Nick Fitzgerald, and they're probably a 10- or 11-win team. But I just I'm not convinced their upside is higher than if Bryant went to Auburn or even Miami for that matter. Mm. But then again, I wouldn't sign up for Mark Rick's offense at this point. Like if Mark Rick is not going to hire an offensive coordinator, I want nothing part of Mark Rick anything. I think this year is a clear statement of what Georgia fans suffered through for the past ten seasons. He wins games that after like the the season's over because you've lost all the games that you shouldn't have lost. You win games that you really at this point shouldn't win. And that's Mark Rick. Yes. And so. he he has to stop calling plays. He has to get but you know what? Colorado State might part with Mike Bobo at the end of the year. Maybe we get the band back together. We send Bobo oh, to Miami. He gets his true. retirement tour no. with Rick in Miami. Oh no. Uh uh-uh. uh. 
Yeah. No. Let's do it. Uh, what What good did that bring Athens about? Nothing. I mean, that's uh, it. Can't be any worse than Margaret calling place. And no, I mean it guy. really couldn't at this point. But at this point, I mean, I'm coming to Mark Rick's to think a little bit. I don't think either of those quarterbacks are very good. Nikosi Perry and uh, I think he's just handled even... it poorly. It Malik Rozier, but yeah, I just think he's handled that battle poorly. I think that they're a team that just for an offensive-minded coach, I I just reminds me kind of the Packers with Mike McCarthy, where you're like, okay, what is the like you you're you just can't be calling plays anymore. You're just not like an Andy Reid type. You're not one of those brilliant offensive minds who can handle head coach and offensive coordinator. I think he has to just I think he has to go outside of the box and go with a young, innovative offensive coordinator mind. I. I think they have to make some changes in that department for Rick um, to keep this program moving in the right direction because right now he's kind of, I mean, uh, the Al Golden so stuff, the it's not way. like he's that much better than Al Golden right now and where he was mm, at this point no. in his tenure. So he has some work to do, but that defense is legit with Manny Diaz. That's the thing is like he made a huge hire in Manny Diaz. And if he can keep him for years um, in South Florida, they'll be competitive. But I just think he needs to take um, his foot off the gas with uh, – the offense and give it to somebody else so Agreed. that is mine yeah um, um no wait oh, hold on i got two. i got my right. second Sorry. yeah I you got broke the rules i have to give jordan her, her second gym of the i know i'm i Go will ahead. because yes. here i didn't know how to throw this in because i mm. i knew i didn't really want to talk about houston's loss to tulane um even though the fact that it was houston beat I tulane mean, it was it was literally a shock the fact that they lost 17 to 48 i mean houston i think should have won that game i mean i would have thought they would have won that houston game won. I thought they, I thought they lost. No, they won. Oh, well, then that makes so much more sense. But that's not even about my gym of the week. Okay, so Houston okay. beat Tulane. That makes way much more sense. Okay, mm-hmm. so major Apple right? So Houston's mm-hmm. head coach follows me on Twitter. All of, Shout out to him. Does he? Yeah, major and I go way Chase back. Thomas actually speaking of uh, Twitter, I just got Twitter verified this week. Did you? I didn't even yeah, see that. Yeah, we should take. We should take a shot in celebration. There we but, go, Jordan. The chance I the know. Podcast. What can I do for you? Get you verified. Uh, yeah, you get me verified, baby. You're All very right. Welcome. Um, thank you very much for that. But um, Major Applewhite. So uh, there is his uh, video that you can go and find on Google, YouTube, wherever you figure suits you best. But Major Applewhite and Ed Oliver, which is one of the NFL's top draft prospects for this next year, got into a beef on this sideline of this game over a jacket. Right. Um, Ed Oliver was wearing this like gray parka jacket that only active players can wear it. And basically Applewhite got pissed that he was wearing it. He should have known not to wear it. And literally going to halftime, you could see Ed Oliver charging at his coach. Yeah. Um, that was a so, good look, but also like Major Applewhite taking the jacket off of him. Also not a good look. Like it was one of those things where I can understand both sides there. But it, Absolutely. It, both sides of it made me feel uncomfortable. And it's a jacket. What are we doing here? It's just a jacket. And I feel like that's something that maybe if at halftime you can discuss that with your player. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that's like the biggest issue on your sideline when you're playing a game. You know, uh, I, I don't really know. But I just I just felt like I was. Go watch the video if you haven't already. It's it's wild. It's yeah, it's, I mean, it's crazy because that Oliver, I mean, he is one of the best college football players. And I, and I know it shouldn't it should it shouldn't be like just because he's a good football player, you don't speak up and do what, you know, you would do to any other athlete on your team. But I just don't understand, you know, the, just 
the importance of that in the time frame that it happened. You know, I feel like that's a conversation you have off the field. So I just thought that that was crazy because um, the last time I'd seen a player and a coach get into it was the national championship when I don't even know the Alabama player's name when they went after Saban. Do you remember that? No. I don't you don't remember that in the national championship game? Go Google player tries to fight Saban on sideline. He let the player go back in. Uh, he'd actually gotten kicked out for that play because I do he vaguely remember that. I don't he remember the player. A Georgia, yeah. He punched a Georgia, Georgia player and then he got sent to the sideline and went out. I do remember him. that, but I don't mm-hmm. remember who it was. I know what you're talking so, about. Yeah, so I haven't seen anything like this since that. So if you want a little mm. sideline, you know, head-to-head action, yeah, check that out. But I'm glad that there Houston beat Tulane because I was like looking at it. I was like, how the hell did Houston lose to Tulane 48 to 7? Well, Tulane's moving in the right direction. Willie Fritz moving the green wave in the right direction. They got an uplift to their uh, logo, a little bit meaner form of the wave in uh, New Orleans. So, yeah, they're making making strides, I believe, in what? Are they in the American Conference or Conference USA? I'm not sure. One of the two. I think they're in the American Conference. Okay. Um. Yeah. My contrarian choice jordan let's uh, hear it. andy isabella who had a great weekend in athens had a lot my of guy 15 receptions 219 yards two touchdowns as isabella prepares to become the face of the new england patriots in one year like i've never seen a more patriot style player in the last 15 years he's like danny amandola mixed with wes welker mixed with julian nettleman he also went to school in UMass, so it's not even like he's coming out from Texas Tech. Or um, Actually, I think Amendola and Welker both went to Texas Tech. And then Edelman was what, Delaware, I want to say? He was some small school where he was the quarterback, but I, maybe it wasn't Delaware. Was it New Hampshire? I don't know. One of the two. It was one of those small schools up north. Um, but yeah, I, I love this dude. And I said going in, I was like, I wonder how this works. Um, UMass is obviously not going to win, but Isabel leads the country in receiving yards, and they're not going to win this game. But it does feel like he's going to go off. And then Kirby Smart being kind of snarky and dismissive of Isabella in his post game. I don't know if you saw this, but he's like, didn't most of his uh, catches come in the second half when Georgia pulled their starters and that kind of stuff? And it was like, well, no, not really. I mean, he had a, his touchdowns came in the second half when they pulled the starters, but he did have seven receptions in the first half and he was doing stuff and Deacon and Duck. And he's like, isn't he more of like a running back and all this stuff? I was like, eh, I mean, just come on, man. Like Isabella chewed up your defense. And well, I, mean, but, as, I think but he's Jake, deflecting. Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm came out and did say how did. great of a player. Good guy, Jake Fromm. Yes. Yeah. So got to um, give credit where credit's due though. Kirby. True. Step up. True. I would agree. I just think that Kirby Smart didn't have to be so dismissive about Andy Isabella, who is by the well. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. Um, I was going to say he's a he's a receiver who Georgia would love to have, but then again, Georgia has an elite offense right now, and they don't really need um, any more. No, but to anything. Edge. I think no, but that's a statement to be said though. Isabella is one of the best wide receivers in the country, I and mean, that's a fact. Uh, I I know he's like a little white guy from UMass, and people could like laugh about it, but. Flicker pat the flea flicker whole thing that went down literally with a second left was that in the third quarter yeah second left in the third quarter in Athens um, crazy enough for UMass but like Andy Isabella and himself I mean he was the star of that game I mean some of the catches he was making he was running all over Georgia's secondary all over him. yeah so that was the second most allowed catches by a receiver um, against Georgia in UGA history wow. 
He's going to be, yeah, he's totally a uh, Patriots type um, wide receiver. Did that game and Isabella going off scare you even more about this Georgia defense against Tua and what he's going to do against this group? Um, no, because I, I, I know how crazy good Tua is. Um, so you could already anticipate him putting 35 on you at least. You know, I, that's what I truly think. So you've got to either try to outscore him or whatnot. Um, I think that the thing is with Georgia, 68% of their team is underclassmen. Mm-hmm. They're the youngest team in the SEC. So they're technically ahead of schedule. Um, and for their defense, it's even younger, I mean, than their offense, obviously. They've got, you know, um, obviously De- DeAndre Baker is their most probably veteran player in the secondary um, but they've got he's gone after this I, year. first round. Pick. Yeah. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. First round pick. So, but I think that they've got a bunch of guys on defense. I mean, that have been getting, I mean, key snaps, key snaps. And I think that that's, what's going to play the difference at the end of the season. I think this Georgia team, we talked about, you know, really not knowing what type of team Georgia was around LSU, just because, I mean, it was such a poor performance on both sides of the ball, but I think, at this point of the year, we look at teams that are playing the entire type of entire type of game. Um, you know, Michigan, I think we've come into seeing what type of team they really have been. Georgia, I think the same way. Kentucky on the opposite end. I mean, I think we saw how strong Kentucky was at the beginning of the year, and they've just completely fell apart on the opposite side of things. So um, I think that Georgia's defense is growing i think it's getting better every week but i do think that you have to anticipate Tua putting 35 on you because he's Tua, and they've got guys like jerry judy and henry ruggs the third and you know guys that we don't even know their names that haven't even played a snap yet that will probably come in and make an incredible catch yeah i mean i think georgia has to score like 45 to beat alabama i think i mean really no people are going to go into this game expecting like a low scoring slugfest but that's not the way alabama or georgia plays especially this year (laughs) um it's going to feel like an oklahoma versus oklahoma state game and it's going to be like an oklahoma oklahoma georgia game last year i feel like that's the type of um mentality and that's only saying that georgia's defense is going to be ready because they suffered two injuries monty rice went down in umass and david marshall was out with a foot injury and so you still got key guys that have you know, been leaders on defense that could potentially be out. So I, I am not hopeful. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Jordan. I'm not hopeful yeah. about Georgia being Alabama either. And it, it really does upset me not to believe in Georgia over Alabama. It really does. You know, I mean, you, you want the underdog to be able to do it, but when this team has been, you know, Nick Saban has had one undefeated team in his time in Alabama. And that's crazy to think about. Yeah. You know, thinking how many national championships he's brought. What is it? In five and nine years, mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. He's had one undefeated team. So he's I mean, this back is, once. Yeah. So I mean, this is like a you know, this is huge for him. I mean, this is something that he's going to want. Um, so it's going to be hard to stop, especially with Tua, because he's he's scary good. And I'm convinced that uh, John Gruden is tanking to get Tua next year. Hmm. No, I think he's no. getting uh, James Winston. I think he likes his vets, so I think uh, James Winston will be Oakland Raider next year. Yeah. Well, I, I don't guess. know if I don't know how well I would like James Winston in Vegas. I'm just letting you know that he can't or keep just himself in general. Like how about that? How about in general? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, Vegas, yeah, I mean, country bumpkins. James, of, of James anywhere 
would be a, eh, uh, I'm out. No, thanks. Yeah. No, thank you. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just focus on being tech at home for the first time in like half a decade. Maybe that would be nice well, for Georgia. Well, yeah. Uh, half a decade. Well, mm. they've won the past two games in Athens. Yeah, but... that's four years. Oh, well, it's not quite half a decade, you butthole. It's almost. I mean, for a team that runs the state, you would think they would beat um, their hated rival um, at least once in a day. Half a well, decade, you, you have think. to remember that um, Kirby Smart is now mm. under year three, is it? So mm-hmm. first year he did lose to Georgia Tech. I believe Georgia Tech came back to beat them in Athens, and that was the year they picked apart our hedges. Mm-hmm which hashtag never forget. Um, but, <laughs> but like I said, I don't know. I mean, Georgia Tech is actually, this game scares me more than people probably even assume because they look at Georgia Tech and they're like, okay, ACC, you know, triple option. But like, the thing is, Citadel was a triple option and they tied it. They were tied with Bama at half. Like, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, Georgia Tech's on a four game win streak. They lead the nation in rushing yards per game um this is not a bad team and paul johnson has solidified himself as the head coach for the georgia tech yellow jackets so congrats to them another year of paul johnson (laughs) and that offense to get to nine and three eight and four and then a weird three and nine year and then back to six and six and then back to nine and two (laughs) like shout out to them for continuing this roller coaster good for them no scott siderfield no seth luttrell no, keep running this triple nope. option until no, Paul 2054. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's already been there an insane amount of time. Whatever. I'm not going on to Paul Johnson right, right now. Um, okay. So for our last little bit, um, what games uh, are interesting to us? I have three, Jordan. We talked about one a little bit, but I do have some other thoughts on that. Um, who were your three? Well, I'm really excited about the Washington-Washington State game, the Apple Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be Black Friday, and obviously the winner is going to advance to the Pac-12 championship game to take on our Utes, Utah Utes. Our Utes. Um, yes, our Utes. I feel like we're both Utah fans. I, I you think know, we're I love at it. that point where I think we both love yeah. Kyle Whittingham and them getting <laughs> over the hump. Shout out to them. Yeah, I'm we all like in them. on the U. Yeah. Um, so Washington State, though, they're the three-point favorites over the Huskies, and that's the first time that they've been favorites since 20 or 2006. And it's only the eighth time they've been favorite since 1990, which is before I was born. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that Washington State comes out on top because rarely do they come out favorites. And um, Gardner Minshew is just hard to be right now. Uh, 36 touchdowns, 400 or 4,325 yards. He leads the nation in both of those. And uh, yeah, I this mean, game's in I'm not uh, Pullman, right? Okay. Um, the last time this happened, I want to say, was two years ago when Washington State was like riding this hot streak, and I think they had this same type of, type of season, and they got blown out by the Huskies, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but was Gardner Minshew the quarterback? Mm, no, it was year 19 of Luke Falk, I believe. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Luke Falk, uh, NFL quarterback, right? Somewhere? Uh, he's bounced around a little bit right now, but yeah. <laughs> but he's he is, somewhere. Uh, I mean, he's, hey, you know what? A 37-year-old quarterback um, finding his way onto multiple rosters, shout out to him because that guy, he refused to leave college. So, um, well, good for I him. wish I would have refused to leave college, you know? <laughs> yeah. But 
Uh, yeah, I'm from Washington State. I love Gardner. Minshew. I am too. I, I mean, I want them to win, obviously. I mean, the Mike Leach, uh, Gardner Minshew stuff. Shout out to Tracy Clays, who has had a great year as DC for them, who kind of has gone under the radar, who he replaced. And like people are expecting this defense, the Cougs defense, to fall off a cliff um, with their departed DC. And Tracy Clays had that weird stuff at Minnesota, but he stepped right in and kept this defense. Uh, competitive so they're uh they're right there um are you talking yourself into washington state playoff team is that where we're heading here no no okay. i do think that they're a top 16 though i do i really really like washington state i almost like washington state as much as now granted okay i know washington gardner Minshew is no kyler murray i'm not comparing them whatsoever but i do think washington state's defense is better than oklahoma's yes for sure so i if i were to pick a team like washington washington state over oklahoma i would probably pick washington state i wouldn't but i could you you could sell me on it being i mean it'd be a lot of fun that's like one of those games where you definitely love to see in like the rose bowl like a it's USC, not like a, a sexy Pitt, game or a penn state no i think it would be i think gardner Minshew in that offense versus kyler murray in that offense i think it would be. well i i know i mean i think it would be a sexy game in that aspect but i don't think with people from at least the south or the eastern side of the u.s like think of Washington State as being a team that's worthy of that but this year they have proven that and Gardner Minshew continues I mean 69 to 28 win over Arizona which I know you didn't want to bring up again but mm. I mean that's that's impressive I mean 69 points on anybody is very impressive especially on Kevin Sumlin which is very hard to do I know I know it's he's your guy Chase mm. I didn't want to have to say it but you know but you you just had to um just, next up do you want me to go? Oh, yeah. I want you to like your right. three, and then well, I'll do we... my three to see if All there's right, any perfect. crossover. Okay. Well, then I'm going to fast forward and do um, Notre Dame at USC. Mm. Um, see, so obviously... this isn't on my list. I, I think I'm just getting blown out here. I, I think after losing to UCLA, it's done. I, I think this is going to be ugly. I, I well, wish I was more I, interested. Yeah. Sell me, Jordan. Well, he, here's the thing, okay? I know that the loss to UCLA, 34-27, close loss. But granted, you're losing to a struggling Chip Kelly UCLA team. Notre Dame's won the five out of the last eight meetings, okay? Um, So really, I'm not going to provide you with much more than the fact that Notre Dame could just ultimately choke against USC, which, you know, I mean, the thing is, this is the last, this has been the game on the line the entire season, regardless of the strength of how USC has been doing. Regardless of wins and losses, USC has always been a game on their schedule that people say, well, they're playing USC. So to my point, you're on the road. You've got a lot on the line. And book could choke. Something could happen. Notre Dame, we've talked about it. Mm. They're not a top four team. They're top six. They're not a but they are. But some might at, say they're better than UCLA. <laughs> some some might say they're better than UCLA. But I I just wonder I just wonder can they do it? They had a dominating performance. Was it Duke or was it Syracuse? Both of them. From Which this one was past last week? week? It was Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, Syracuse. I mean, the fact that they dominated—they literally Syracuse broke the Eric Dungey's back. I I was so scared for Eric Dungey. Poor guy. He's had a great season. He's had yeah. a great season for Syracuse. Another but... guy who feels like he's in year nine of being <laughs> Syracuse Orangeman quarterback. I think he replaced Don McNabb. I'm pretty sure how that worked. 
Well, uh, I don't know if he's going to be coming back again after that injury. No. Um, so, Which so really, sad, it but all... shout out to Dino Babers for getting yeah. the Syracuse. We love Dino. Nine and three. We love Dino. Another coach we love on this podcast. Yeah, yes, we do love Dino. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm putting it on the line. I I think it's going to be a close game, which okay. I think should be telling to the college football playoff because once again. You just Notre really Dame want Notre played. Dame out of this. That's what you're doing. Well, this is what's happening well, here. You're outlining the case. Here's for, the thing. Yeah. You said it before I even said it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You re- you refuse to have Notre Dame over Oklahoma. I think Notre Dame's yeah. a better team than Oklahoma. Okay. I See, you know what's weird is I'm more confident in Oklahoma beating Notre Dame than I would be in Michigan beating Notre Dame. Why? Because Michigan I, already lost to Notre Dame. I believe I'm just, I guess it's more of like a, I'll always take like a, just a juggernaut offense over a juggernaut defense and Michigan has a juggernaut defense and I'm still, I mean, Shea Patterson's been really good for them this year. Michigan's offense is leaps and bounds better than what they were a year ago. And Pep Hamilton has made strides with that offense. Great. Um, I just doubting Kyler Murray like it took Texas to drop like whatever whatever it was and go like that defense had to implode and Kyler Murray still almost brought them all the way back in the fourth quarter and if that doesn't happen we're not even debating whether or not Notre Dame is a better choice at uh 12-0 than a 12-0 Oklahoma team there's no contest right. everyone's yeah, just no, like oh no, no 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 Oklahoma's better like so I think they're just getting a little bit of unfair treatment because they lost to Texas the way they did but I don't know. I just, I think if they were undefeated, we would look really, at them. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, can you not agree that they played really, really ugly football to less superior opponent? Not offensively, no. Not, not offensively. I mean, you can't. Oklahoma has one of the best offenses along with Alabama in the country. They're an efficient I machine. Think- like, I just think they could beat anybody any given Saturday. I know that's cliche to say, but like, if you were to tell me they could upset Clemson, Alabama, whoever, I'd believe you. Would it be well, fifty-six I, to forty-nine? Sure, I, but I yeah. definitely think that they could beat Clemson. See, I don't even think I put Clemson in the top. Like, I think it's Alabama and everybody else. Because I think just come on really weeks, strong. Like, they're, I mean, their I, defense has come alive, but they, I don't think they've played the level of competition they need to play to be ready for a game. I would say the toughest competition they played all season is Texas A and M, and I would agree. Yeah, I, and that's. That's what's sort of scary is South Carolina played Texas A&M really close. I sure I think South Carolina is getting the shit kicked out of him by Clemson, but yeah, I don't um, I don't know I really don't know because I truly don't believe Clemson has played any respectable competition this season. Maybe okay. Who is your last uh, pick of the week? Well. South Carolina at Clemson. Oh, God. Another, okay. right? Make the case, Jordan, for anyone to sit All there right. and watch Clemson so, go up 45 to nothing at the end of the obviously, quarter. Obviously. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so USC has won three out of their last four. Their only loss on the road to Florida. But the key mm-hmm. to winning this game is going to be Jake Bentley. And the past two times that Jake Bentley's played Clemson, he hasn't been successful. 167 yards, 23 for 46. One touchdown, only one touchdown in two games. That's not going to happen. Not going to get you a win. Uh, and he had three interceptions. But this season for Bentley, since the A&M loss, which was 26-23, and just to refresh people's mind, Clemson lost, Clemson beat Texas A&M at Texas A&M, 28-26. So a close game. But mm-hmm. since that A&M loss, Bentley has been incredible. 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. 
he's been playing great ball. So uh, besides the offense, obviously needs Bentley, but the defense for Clemson, the defense for South Carolina, excuse me, has been pretty much shredded to this point. This past game, Shai Smith, which is one of their top receivers for South Carolina, was asked to play safety because they had another injury. They've had, I mean, injury after injury in their secondary, so it's not pretty. But if their defense can get the hell back, I think maybe they put pressure on Trevor Lawrence. He is a freshman quarterback. He's still going to be learning every game. You've got an experienced quarterback that's faced this same defense multiple years in a row. And Brian McClendon, the new offensive coordinator for South Carolina, he's finally catching on with his offense. 30, 30 or more points, six games this season. That's he impressive. He doesn't feel like the Will Mischamp offenses of old. Not the Florida offenses, for sure. Right. Yeah. No, I, 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 still, I, I get where I, think I get this, it. Yeah. This is the second best team that they played all season. And I would probably say this. That's Wait, they're not better than better. NC State. I don't think that's fair. Even with NC State mm, falling the way they have, mm, I think I would no. still take NC State over. Ah, no, I would not pick okay. NC State over South Carolina. No way. Okay. I would, but okay. That's fair. They've had a no, bad October and November, but I don't know. Also, I, I think, yeah. just to know, Clemson had mm. nine drops against Duke. That can't mm. happen against top-tier opponents. I mean, I so. think it can because they'll be up 31 nothing by that point. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I did like the game that Christian Wilkins played though this past season. I mean, this past this past game, he had a he had a nice game. So, anyways, go ahead. It would just be nice for Clemson to have a watchable football game for the first time in like two and a half months. That'd be cool. So, I guess we should well, root for that. Yeah. Yeah, at least somebody. Because nice. we know Do Alabama's something. not going to have one. So. Yeah. Um. Okay. My three. OU. We talked about them a little bit. Is OU, this is why this game is interesting to me, is OU catching West Virginia at the wrong time? Where, like, I do think context matters, timing matters. You catch teams at different times. Like, if Michigan catches Notre Dame at this point in the year, I think they beat them. Like, the the context and teams change over the course of a year. And I, I wonder, playing on a Friday at West Virginia, coming off of awful collapse, 31-14, to 14, they were up on OK State. Um, and they collapsed and like, it was a bad second half and West Virginia is going to learn from it. Will Greer's not going to play that horribly again, especially against this OU defense. Um, OU, uh, we, we know this is going to be a difficult situation for them because West Virginia can match everything they do offensively. Like this is another efficient machine when Will Greer's making the easy throws that he should be making. Um, there, we know how good their wide receivers are. We know how good this team can be offensively when they want to be like, just look at what they did to Baylor in the first quarter a couple weeks back on Thursday night. But um the pokes they switched to a 3-2-6 in the second half um and that's what ended up being the thing is they switched their defense against west virginia so i wonder if um ruffin mcneil does any cool uh, personnel sets against um west virginia in this game to kind of do the same kind of thing but um i don't know i think this is one of those things where um i'm just I wonder if West Virginia is catching OU at the perfect time for them coming off that just brutal loss, knowing that their big 12 hopes are on the line. Um, I don't know. I'm interested. I think OU wins, but if I see West Virginia is up 38, 31 midway through the fourth, I'm not going to be surprised because I think 
Um, this is a bad spot for OU coming off a lackadaisical win against KU and then um, having to get their head right against a very important game. But maybe they were looking ahead to West Virginia against Kansas where they're like, we just need to get through this. Yeah, so I don't know. But I, yeah. I think it's interesting. I think it's going to be a fun I, game. I think it's it's even uh, – another thing to mention is just the fact that the Mountaineers haven't lost at home like this season. Mm-hmm. So that just sort of adds into everything, just like the atmosphere atmosphere that's going to be going on Oklahoma on the road and then Oklahoma has won 19 consecutive true road games so when you look at both of those statistics they are obviously polar opposite of each other so it really is I I think yeah exactly I really I I would not be surprised with seeing one or the other on top Um, it's going to be a good game that's going to be one of the best of the weekend for sure my next one you're not going to believe this Jordan but it's outside of the box Boise, Utah State, the real fun game of the week. Mm. Is that like 23-25 or what are those two teams ranked? They're both ranked. Yeah, no, I know. They're both ranked. Um, Actually not a bad game. I did look at that game. Boise's 9-2. They've had some just unfortunate losses, but they're back on schedule. They're rolling at the right time. Um, Brett Rippon's fun to watch. You know who else is fun to watch? Jordan Love who has a 66 completion percentage, 25 touchdowns, four picks, nine per, uh, 9.7 adjusted yards per attempt. Um, since that opening loss to Michigan State, they have not lost a game. And I think Utah State versus Boise is going to be the most fun game to watch that no one's paying attention to that they should. So just if you have some time late that night, tune into Boise versus Utah State. I'm always down to watch late night football. When everybody is out, else is out, like drinking, you know, doing who knows what with who knows who knows who. Sure. I'm at How home. old are you now? <laughs> I'm at home with my chihuahuas watching college football. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. every attractive female is doing. Grandma Diarmin. <laughs> it's it's the truth. Yeah. But you um, So yeah, my last one. This is tough, Jordan. Wait, no, that was wait. What? Yeah, you had your two. You had, you had. um, Oh, I have it. I found it. I just overlooked it. I. This is very offensive to the Florida fan bases that we have not talked about in this podcast yet. Oh, of course. I'm talking myself into Florida State over Florida. Florida State over Florida. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. I have talked myself into Florida State over Florida as well. Oh, you've joined me. Okay, (laughs) I I am joining the recording. Yeah. Yeah. I have joined you. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm buying in too much just because of what they did this past weekend. But Florida still seems like they've had a great year, and I think Dan Mullen year one, this has been a success for them, and they're moving in the right direction. However, it does seem like something is starting to click with Florida State, and I think mm-hmm. this being at home, being a rivalry game, trying to end the season on a positive note, it does just kind of feel like a statement win in the making for Willie Taggart to just be like, all right, the program's fine. We're moving in the right direction. We had some early hiccups. Our offensive line was terrible. DeAndre Francois got banged up, but like we're making the right moves. Like that he gave up play calling to Mr. Bell, Walt Bell, and uh it it showed. So they're I think they're moving in the right direction. And I four weeks ago I would have laughed at the idea that Florida State would have beaten Florida, but I do think this is a game to monitor of like don't be shocked if Florida State wins this game. Even if you remember what they've done in the middle of the year and just getting blown out the way they have and just 
awful loss after awful loss. Like that is not the team that Florida state is right now. And I don't think Florida is the team that they were um, a month ago either. So no. I don't know. It feels like timing is bad for Florida here and the timing is good for Florida state. Agreed. I, I know that last week Francois ran for a season high of nine times, which is one of the things that Francois has always been strong with for Florida state. So the fact that Willie Taggart, who has had rushing quarterbacks before quarterbacks with, with legs, like that was one of the most surprising things for me with Willie Taggart this season. The fact that DeAndre Francois was not running as much as I felt like he should. And guess what? Well, last week he did and they beat Boston college, you know, and then come back, you know, come back win. And that was a crucial win for this program. And if they get this win for Willie Taggart, they're going to finish with a, a winning record, you know, and that's, that's crucial moving forward when it comes to recruiting, you know, culture, everything. So I think this is obviously, you know, the FSU bowl streak is on the line and Florida, I think is feeling, I mean, I don't know. This is just my feeling on the Florida program right now is I feel like they're entitled, you know, I think that's, I think that's why they, they lost to Kentucky. Um, I think that's why they lost the way they did to Georgia. I think that's why they have just not I, I'll say that it has definitely been a a step up from McElwain. Uh I will give Dan Mullen that. I think the quarterback play has been um superbly better, but that's not saying much because there was no quarterback play last year. But I do think that Florida feels a little entitled, which is I think is gonna play against them in this game because FSU's got a lot to play for and I think what they have to play for is their coach. And obviously that bull streak. So, yeah, I agree. So it should be interesting. I will be monitoring this game very closely. But um, yeah, I uh, I think that'll do it, Jordan. Are we not going to speak about the fact that our alma mater got knocked out from the playoffs? And uh, I was trying not to bring it up. <laughs> oh, whatever. I don't even know. Undefeated Is it, streak uh, down the tubes play- against the Archer yeah. Tigers. Archer did it to us? Yes, they did. It was Archer. Lovely. Well, you know what? <clears throat> you got to win some and lose some. And it, luckily, uh, we don't have our our old head coach mm-hmm. as the head coach. So hopefully we can come back and have chances to do it again. You know? Wow. Ending the podcast on some more fiery takes, Jordan. That's what I do, Chase. I'm dropping the mic. There you go. Um, please don't do that because you actually um, need it for podcasting purposes. So <laughs> no mic dropping, please, on your end, especially when you get a new one. Is that is that happening soon, Jordan? Well, if you send me some suggestions, uh, maybe I that'll did, happen. By the way, send them last I week. never got your suggestions. Well, I'll have to mm. go look. Maybe yeah. I'm. It sounds suspicious to me, but I definitely did. I would well, never we'll... tell you I was going to send you links to um, potential microphones and not do that, well, Jordan. We'll check that. I'll send you some interviews from prior um, U.S. Olympians and just Hard get to the Olympian spirit just Why? because I love America. But the Olympics is terrible and shouldn't exist anymore. I thought we established that early on in this podcast partnership. Anti-American is not appreciative on this podcast, Chase. The Olympics are trash, Jordan. How that? trash sport. They're a trash invent. They're a trash everything. It shouldn't exist. No more. Cancel it. Where's where? How can I hang it up? 
<laughs> I mean, it's pretty easy on your end. It would be more complicated for me, but you literally just hit disconnect in the phone call. Disconnect. Sorry, mm-hmm. you have been disconnected from your phone call. Thank you okay. for subscribing. Go to radio.com to listen to Jordan DeArmond on WBBM News Radio. Thank you. All right. That was great. That, that was my automatic. Professional. <laughs> yeah, very robotic. It worked. You could do that. That could be another thing for you. Why, thank you. Yeah. When this fails, I'll be a robot voice. When this fails, are you expecting this to fail, Jordan? No, Unbelievable. me. Where is okay, the confidence, I get, Jordan? I just yeah, got to get confidence in myself week. first. I tell you that this is my therapy session. Not only do we get to talk about my college football worries, but we also get to work about my insecurities. So mm. I appreciate that. We're moving in the right direction, Jordan. We're making strides. We are. I think we are. Yeah. I think so, too. All right, Jordan. Well, I appreciate it. Um, follow you on Twitter at Jordan DeArmond. Listen to you on the radio. What radio station is that again? At radio.com app. And it's mm-hmm. WBBM News Radio, the home of the Chicago Bears, who uh, obviously won on Sunday Night Football, beating the Vikings to the top, the NFC North. That is correct. Good game. Watch the whole thing. It was uh, not Kirk Cousins' best game, I would say. No, but you got no. Khalil Mack. Good Khalil Mack and oh. Akeem Hicks game, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all right, Jordan DeArmond, that will do it for all tonight, right. but we'll be back next week. Uh, Jordan, right, I'll talk be, to you soon. I'll be ready for my therapy session. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.